name is Sean, and you're listening to the Crew Room Podcast. I've always been fascinated by aviation, even as a kid. I had no idea then that I would go on to spend almost 25 years in the industry. For almost 15 of those years, I worked as a flight attendant for Virgin Australia. There were many parts of the job that I loved, but the best part was working with amazing crew, many who've now become my close friends. In this podcast, I speak to some of them about their time in the industry. We share stories, find out why they wanted to work in aviation, why they stayed or why they left, and how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected those who chose to stay. My first guest is Jess. We became friends in a bit of a roundabout way. You'll hear how on the podcast. Jess began her aviation career with Virgin Blue back in 2001. And as you will hear, she has many happy memories of her time there. I thoroughly enjoyed reliving her time as a flight attendant, as it brought back many of my own happy memories. So fasten your seatbelts, recline your seats, and settle in for my chat with Jess. I'd like to welcome you, Jess, to the podcast, and thank you for taking time out of your day to, to have a chat to me. Um, you and I have known each other, gosh, we've known each other for quite a while, but funnily enough, um, how we really met was actually quite interesting, wasn't it? It was on the cruise, yeah. That's right, because you and I yeah. passed once in a while uh, on board aircraft because we both were supervisors at, at, uh, at Virgin, yeah. but... Um, you and I truly met on a cruise when we did a cruise through the through was it the South Pacific we did? I think it was the South Pacific, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, and on the Princess cruise. You came sidling you know. straight up to uh to us, and you go, "Do you work for we Virgin?" We sat next to each other. <laughs> yes, we sat next to each other, waiting for a show to start, and I'm looking over at you, going, "Geez, I've seen him before. Where have I seen her before?" <laughs> and then it was like, "Excuse me, you work for Virgin?" Which is the usual line yep. you, you try and recognize someone yes i do too and then it went from there bang 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 it oh, is yeah. yeah and i think yeah, that was of the, all the seats oh, exactly and of all the places oh, we could have run into each I other know. you know yeah. and i think the thing was yeah. is that i uh, we got to really really know each other on that cruise and i think we became really good friends from that particular moment so we really didn't it wasn't being at work that sort of did that it was more so um that that but cruise. you know it was it was both being in that form of work, though, because yeah, exactly. you could just relate to each other. That's so right. it was easy, easy to relate. Yeah. So the first question I wanted to sort of ask you is what what year did you start flying again? I think you said it was two thousand and one. Is that right? Okay, it was two thousand and one, and I think it might have been <clears throat> October was the month. Right. So something significant happened in that year, didn't it? It was, but it was a massive intake around that time too. I believe there was five or six groups coming through at once. Mm. I think it was like group 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19, I think. Like you can't, don't, don't quote me on it, but I was group 18. Yeah. And we trained in a hotel because there wasn't enough training room. Yeah. So we were there and um, I think there was about 12 aircraft and 100 crew when I first started flying itself. Mm. So it was a massive intake. Yeah. And uh, at that time, um, a lot of people, obviously, who, who were an adult at that time, would remember that September 11 uh, happened of that same year. So, and you were in the middle of your training, I believe. So, and what- then you know what we we were just coming up to um, our security section and our manuals. Mm. So it was um, halt. Let's just stop. We have to skip over this section for now because, as far as we're concerned. Um, there are some discrepancies with aviation security or possible changes. So they didn't want to go ahead with that section straight away. What was the feeling in your training like when um, when that all happened? You know, what we it wasn't a concern. It was frightening to see because um, we didn't relate to it and the fact that Australia wasn't a problem then or it wasn't an issue. You know, it was something that was based in America and yeah. we were told in our training that that's what it is. We're still okay um, to go through with what we're doing and stuff. I mean, we had, um, when we went online, finally, we still weren't an issue because we had aircraft doors that were unlocked during the flight. Right. So right. I remember 
I remember CZQ we used to have, you know, the old aircraft. Yeah, the old answer one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that everyone talks about, CZQ. We, um, I remember just on takeoff, the door would flick open on its own and you'd have to put your hand out and hold it, hold it closed. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, just so the passengers wouldn't see it. So it wasn't a threat and we kind of never thought anything of it um, until changes started coming through slowly, though. It was very slowly. Yeah, and it was more around, um, you know, that they had to change the doors like the door access yeah. to the flight deck to make uh, them harder as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. Uh, processes <laughs> changed to as to how it you would did. enter the ex, into the flight deck. It, yeah, it did. Yep, when it came to verbal communication as well as was there any sort of um, you know changes in the manual policy of you know let me into the flight deck or how are you ever going to meant to say it? You know. <laughs> so talking about you. Um, Going, changing career because at that time you changed careers, didn't you? So Virgin was your first airline that you'd ever worked for, or even anyone in the That's aviation right. industry, wasn't it? It was actually my first um, real career because I went, you know, left school. I was just in retail. Then um, I moved from New Zealand to Sydney, and I went into an office job, and I was working in an office for a year. And with that intake, um, the process was very quick. I I went for an interview and then as I was driving home from that interview, I got rung to be told to meet me at another interview and then on the way home from that, I was told that I had needed to go to a medical the following day. So within three days, it was bang, bang, wow. bang and I had Perfect. a week, a week, yeah, a week to move to Brisbane to be ready to, to, um, start training. Now, now interviews, now interviews with Virgin weren't very conventional back then, were they? They were very, you know what, it could say for me personally, I mean, it might not be for everybody, but they were very easy. Yeah. So someone who's got an outgoing personality or um, is not kind of shy, you know, um, happy to put themselves out there, those were the interviews that they were. Yeah. The second interview was a what they call a group interview, and you pretty much had to go there. They had, on the table, they had props of costumes and musical instruments and everything and you had to put together a song and a group group of people that you'd only just met that day yeah um and you do a song and dance and and whatnot it's very branson brand you know it was the whole richard branson fun yeah and i remember we had um a group of ansett um ladies in in that that um interview and they found it very hard. It was a different uh, sort of layout for them. You know, they were not, not sure with all of that. So they, they were very reserved. And I believe there was a court case or something that went through after that, that they were sort of discriminated against or something like that because of the procedure of interviews we, yeah, we were that. having or something. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's just, like I said, there's different personalities and, and how you you put yourself out there. So it was very different, and I believe it's not the same. No, know, no. And, and I and went through. I went through a very similar process to you when I went through. It was. It was very much the Virgin Flare, and they wanted to see your personality. And, that's right. Yeah, and that was. Branson. That's yeah. right, and that was what it was for a very long time when it was Virgin mm. Blue. Um, mm, that's it. VB days. And how did you find yourself the atmosphere in the early days? Um, and what did the company do to reward its staff back back when it was Virgin Blue? Um, do you know what? We had great times. So as I said earlier, we when I first started, it was 12 aircraft and 100 crews. So we were a really close-knit group all coming through, and you would actually fly with each other quite regularly. The bigger the company they got, you, you would hardly see each other from time to time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a really nice group to be to be sort of going into this new job. And we're all learning too at the same time with a new brand and a new airline. Mm-hmm. And they really looked after their staff. So when you're a smaller, smaller group, I think it might be easier for companies. You know, you're not just a number, you're actually a personality. That's and right. that's really good. And our, our gifts, I think the first year I was there, we got a, a case of wine and a couple of bottles of champagne. You know, that's, that's massive. And yeah. then, then we got into the whole barbecue picnics set up. So we had 
one year was barbecue chairs with virgin blue on it, and then there was the picnic set and whatnot. So I'm not sure what you even got. Yeah, one. I got um, that camp oven thing, which I thought was pretty cool. I mean, I used That's the right. yeah, yeah that little camp oven, and and I also and the and the picnic blanket. So I actually got the picnic blanket, yeah. which was pretty cool. Um, yeah. And I did get, uh, I think I did get six bottles of wine at some point. And I think That's for me, right. I think it, it was that. for me, it was the first time I felt as though uh, I, I really felt recognized in a company because I'd been in the industry for quite some time prior to that. And I spent a couple mm-hmm. of years at Anset and, and while I really enjoyed my time there and, and worked with some fantastic people, um, it was Virgin Blue where I really felt as though you were rewarded for doing a hard job through throughout the year and and mm. for doing a good job and those Chris, uh, those birthday parties we had were were insane oh, the parties <laughs> they were insane so they weren't one, they? oh they were i couldn't go to many because of my roster yep. but the ones that i did go to everybody put an effort in they you did, know every yeah. single person from management right to from the top all the way down to to whoever may be they Everyone was an equal when everyone was having fun. You were in there because you were all the right personality. And that's, you know, like Brett Godfrey and, and Richard Branson, those two were this, just a fun duo and led by their management team and all of that. It was, it was a great group, you know. And in the early days, I think that what, what sort of resonated for me too was the fact that it didn't matter who you were within the company. You pitched no. in and you cleaned the aircraft. Uh, yeah. You help yeah. the crew and, and no one ever, none of the onboard leaders or supervisors at the time or the crew would ever tell anyone to get off. It was, it, it was the whole, we, we're all here to work together and, and that was what I really enjoyed the most about working mm. for the airline. Yeah, there was no segregation. Whether you were ground crew or cabin crew or captain or FO, you were all on the same banner and you were all on the same line, you know. So that that I found quite good because you know in certain airlines there are hierarchies and there's all of that with with due respect there can be that you know mm. in certain circumstances you've got to take on each other's role and and um, perform it but at the end of the day like even in overnights and all that sort of stuff you're sitting there and you're just taking it all and getting to know the personalities mm. that you're flying with and everyone's there to support each other it's it's what we call the virgin blue family that's yeah. pretty much what we were you know and that did a lot for the morale, didn't it? So I think in the oh, early days, the morale was was really quite high. And, and, and yeah. I'm sure you would feel the same. The overnights, you tended to, you know, spend time with the crew and other crew that were at hotels. And That's that right, stuff dropped off. It can be lonely. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because they can be lonely, you know, and it's nice to go out and explore new new towns and new stuff when you've got, got a team to do it with or a crew to do it with. How long so, had you been at Virgin before you ended up getting your promotion to cabin supervisor? So I was there for quite some time. I probably could say about seven years or more. Yeah. Because we went through a difficult time at <clears throat> at Virgin Blue under the umbrella of cabin supervisors where they tried a new avenue of um, employing cabin supervisors from outside of the company, if you know what I mean. So not cabin crew that have come up and learnt. They've either had a managerial role or some sort of management um, description of a job prior to the airline. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of missed out a couple of times, but I sort of never gave up. I still continued going through. But um, from my perspective and from online, it, it was a big fail. Um, yep. I credit those that stayed in the job, but I know that some of them sort of suffered because you've got to know that job as cabin crew in and out before you get to that that next step up. It's, True, yeah. it's not just something that you learn in a manual. It's something that you learn physically. Mm. So, um, yeah, so I eventually got there, got CF. Now, the CF group interviews and all that, they were fun. It was just pretty much the same as Virgin Blue Day. So... Um, we all came through, and and that was a nice. It's kind of a nice reward mm. because I'd worked hard, and here and I ended up, you know, coming coming through at the other end. And I was looking forward to also um, being someone to, for the crew to look up to yeah. because I know that we had some. You know, you're not you're always going to have personality conflict, um, and some CSs 
did their thing the way they wanted to, yeah. and it does affect your relationship as a crew yeah, um, and your dynamic. So I wanted to make that change myself. I wanted to ensure that my crew, we were all on the one page, you know. And, and you got that in Brisbane? Have a good time. Sorry, you... I got it in Brisbane. No, I got it in Melbourne. in Melbourne. So I'd moved to Melbourne by then. Right. So yep. I started in Brisbane, mm-hmm. and then I moved to Melbourne. Yeah. And then you got and your then CS I moved there? to Sydney yep. Bay. Yeah, and then you moved to Sydney. Yeah. yeah. How long were you yeah. in Melbourne for yeah. before you moved to Sydney? I was probably seven, another seven years, probably five or six years, maybe. Yeah. And then I moved to Sydney because I met my husband on the cruise I met you. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> we, for how many days was it that we, that you had seen him and we were trying to push you to pluck up the courage to actually um, go know. and say hello to him? Yeah, it was a 10 day cruise, but I think it was on the ninth day yeah. that we finally, yeah, we finally did it. But remember looking back, he thought you were my partner. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> Well, little did he know. (laughs) Little did he know. He was wrong on that behalf. (laughs) I know. It was so fun, so fun. And, you know, that's just awesome. Now, as a cabin supervisor on board, what what do you think you took with you away from Virgin when you left in regards to that? What what qualities did you take with you? after well, I work in retail now, yeah. so retail and all of that is still customer service, you mm. know. Like I work for Bunnings, the warehouse, mm. which is awesome, um, and my husband loves it too, of course. Um, <laughs> what husband you know, doesn't, right? <laughs> oh, no, but even I do. I'm forever buying at Bunnings. Well, my husband does, but I just have to go there and get whatever we need and go because it is just completely overwhelming to me. I can see why people enjoy it, but it's just – yeah. It's overwhelming. You can just spend hours there. Oh, yeah. That's so good. So I was happy with that. But, you know, in saying that, I am um, still, the qualities you take from flying is flying with a diversity of personalities. Mm. And through learning from cabin crew right through to cabin leader or cabin supervisor or whatever they call them now, you learn about the whole theory. Remember the iceberg theory of. Of you may just see the tip of the iceberg, but you never know what's going on underneath. Or um, everybody has a certain personality. So if you're going to ask somebody to do something, there's certain ways of doing it. You learn all those sort of little pathways on how to deal with certain personalities and, mm. and get the right outcome, you know, and not not a negative outcome. So I can put that into any of my my life now. You know, when you're meeting new people, working with new personalities. You learn that from the airline and and dealing with difficult situations as well. And I also think too, and um, you might agree with me on this one, we're in a very unique environment that when situations present themselves, we have to think on our feet. There's really no one that we can actually ask. I mean, yes, the captain's there and the first officer, but they're very technical when it comes to things. So, you know, the things you pass by them are very technical, but when it comes to dealing with customer service in the air, with no immediate manager available, it is you and you're the one that's got to, you know, dig into your toolbox to try and find the right solution and outcome. So that was a huge thing for me is being able to, yeah, to to come up with those solutions. And you are learning so much and you never stop Mm -hmm. learning in that job. Would you agree? No, and sometimes sometimes you you don't do it right, but you learn for next time, right? So. Yes, easily. You learn from your mistakes and nobody's going to be perfect. You're in a, what do you call it, a, a tube 40,000 feet up in the air, you know, and something like emergency or, or medical emergency or um, technical emergency or even just passengers, disgruntled passengers. It's, it's so you've just got to think outside the, the square and, um, and work out that system mm. or, or what we're trained in. You know, we are trained in a lot of a lot of those sort of things. So we learn how to do it. But until you're actually doing it manually, um, that's the only place you're ever going to learn. You can read it as many times as you like in a manual, but until you're physically doing it, um, that's when you really take it on board. With regards to the passengers actually lo- looking at that, um, 
that was one of the things that I that I absolutely thrived on in my job is trying to fix problems and solve you know yeah. situations and and you know turn people around. A lot of the times, you couldn't yeah. do it for everybody. Um, no. Looking at it from the passenger passenger perspective, um, what do you think that that passengers should understand about the job of cabin crew? That a lot of that stuff can be out of hand. You know, when we have a delay because of weather, we're not going to put you up there on purpose and put you through all that turbulence and, and endanger life on purpose. We're not doing any of that on purpose, you know. Um, when you're on that side of the fence, you don't realise technical side of things and the reality of aviation in regards to that. So you have to put it in their terms to a point for them to understand. So there's no point in throwing it down their throat or anything like that. You have to do what we used to do, Virgin Blue Days, and our humour. Remember, we used to throw out a few announcements and PAs and, yep, yep. and stuff of humour. And mm. sometimes when you get a little bit of a laugh, you get a little relief and a relief, you know, mm. and that's sometimes just what they need. Yeah. And I think that's the but, thing that um, people don't uh, don't realise is that we are human as well. Um, and we it's and a lot not. of us love our job and love doing what we do, and we really yeah. do want to make their flight enjoyable. And well, well most mm. part, it's it's great because you are dealing with with a lot of people that do understand. It's it's the challenging ones sometimes that make you earn your money. And at the end of the day, if you know you've been successful in in sorting it out, right, you, that's right, and you feel good about yourself. Like that that passenger probably only just needed to be listened to. That's right, or just needed. One answer. You didn't have to be there for, for hours on end explaining it to them. Mm. And, you know, if someone's going to ask up at you and, um, you know, it's, it's the same simple idea of, sir, can you please pop your bag underneath the seat in front of you? They're either going to, if that fight or flight syndrome, they're going to bark back at you because they're embarrassed or they'll be like, oh, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, definitely put it underneath. But those ones that are going to ask up at you, if you aren't back at them, you know, you raise your voice, they raise their voice, and it continues up the scale. You're not going to get anywhere. That's right. You know, so you've got to learn to not take things personally as well. And I think what and you've got to do is a, when you when you walk out of the aircraft at the end of the day, you leave everything at the aircraft door. That's one of the big right. things that I yeah. used to say to my crew is that don't take it home with you. It's There's no point no. in taking it away with you, and you leave it at the aircraft door mm. and start your, your mm. day the next day completely French, yeah. you know. I know as an onboard leader, like I always used to debrief my crew after anything, yeah. you know, or, or ask them before they went home for the day, did they want to take anything off their chest? Because it's easy just to talk about it and forget about it or learn from it as well. Like you might just need a bit of guidance or, or something, you know. So that's, you know, communication is so important and we all know about that, being on board, um, how it, everything just flowed when you communicated. So... Well, you were also there. You're also there too when the airline went through a massive uh, restructure, like I was, where the airline went from being Virgin uh, Blue to being Virgin Australia, and and along with that came um, a brand new uniform, a brand new CEO, and uh, business class up the front of uh, the aircraft. Um, Now, I was Mm -hmm. involved in in some of the rollout of the uniform, but you were involved in the rollout in Sydney, weren't you? In it was in Sydney I was or Melbourne. With the uniform launch. It was in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we tell did. Us about um, that. So we did it. It was interesting because it was kind of exciting to get out of the beige and the white. I still love the beige yeah. and the white because that was that was virgin blue. You know, right. that was yeah. our VB days from the beginning. So there was still that emotional connection, but mm. then these vibrant colours of the reds and everything that came in now. And I must admit, I've left since the cabin supervisors got the black. I love the black. It was good, wasn't it? Yeah, you know. Um, so I missed out on that. But going back to the uniform launch, we were in Sydney um, at the Opera House. Yep. And I think we were doing a – there was also a launch for Emirates um, business class or something class. Um, I can't quite remember it, but we would sort of in cahoots with them. So we're on the red carpet with Emirates girls all in between us, and we're standing there. Um, and the QE2 um, cruise boat, of all things we're talking about cruises, came in the background of us and it was massive. And it no was, way. I mean, what a great shot. Yeah, yeah. And then our celebrity guest was Elle McPherson and she came in a black tassel dress. You know, as she was walking, the tassels, the tassels are shaking around and she had sunglasses on. She never took the sunglasses off, so I don't know what that was all about. 
But um, our feet were killing us. You know those those heels that yep. we wear at work? Yeah. Oh, not not glamorous at all. <laughs> So, they never were, um, were they? <laughs> oh, no. So we were all taken Nurofen and Panadol by the end of the day, but it was a great experience to be part of. Yep. You know, it's a new change. And for someone, like, there was quite a few of us that were there um, that had been there for the old days as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that was exciting. And then I think it was the um, there was an announcement, a uh, financial announcement or something that we had to go to where Borghetti was, announcing all the financial stuff. Can't remember what they called it. I'm trying to think of the words, but we um, all got a group photo together with John Borghetti, our new CEO, and um, he ended up giving us this photo and signed the back of it. We got it given us to us, and he signed the back of it. Thanks for being a part of the, the launch. So I've still got that photo today, still sitting on my shelf. So do you it's think a good that, memory. Uh, do you think that people – we're pleased with the with the transformation of the airline from a low cost carrier to, I guess, somewhat of a of a legacy carrier. People as in crew, or are you saying people as in passengers? The general public, yeah. yeah, general public. I I think they went with that. It was still um, we were still keeping it low airfares and everything. Yeah, um, business travellers were able to get on board with the business class, mm-hmm. and I think they enjoyed having that that level up. It's somewhere where um, we had to go, wasn't it? Like it was – it's somewhere where yeah. the airline had to go because Qantas were the only ones that were offering business class Correct. really across Australia. Yeah. So an airline had to yeah. replace what ANSET um, took away, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and everybody needs competition. Otherwise, Qantas are just going to rule the market, and and that's not fair, not fair for any passengers or consumers. That's right. And, you know, change is always hard for some people, but um, – I, I I was uncomfortable with business class because I enjoyed the fact of being able to um, interact like we used to do because yeah. I you know I've had so many years of Virgin Blue days mm, me too and all the fun and games and and everything you used to um, and that that changed because I remember head office went from not wearing ties to wearing ties yeah. you know there was a different genre a different feeling um, from the new CEO that the way he wanted to to do it Mm. so you know um that's understandable but you could feel the change Mm. the sea change within within it but i was quite happy to to pass on um business class to someone else Mm. because i um i still enjoy doing that that normal everyday stuff I think you're not, like not me. To, I, not in the handing a wine yeah. out and then on, on an hour flight, you're rushing to get everything out, yep. trying to get this top-notch service. It's quite stressful and you forget about your crew and you forget about your team and everything down the back, you know? I became a bit detached and I really That's needed that. I really needed to try and um, make sure that I involved the crew more in, in doing mm. the business class to get me mm. back on that economy class service because I did feel as though – I wasn't connected to my crew as much as I should. I, like, don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed it, and I think it was a great um, business yes. decision to to bring in business class. But with that came some big changes. You know, crew crew yes, were working right. harder, obviously, and, and most people yes. didn't care. But it was about the fact that you, you just felt like you didn't have more time to talk to the mm. passengers and mm. and really engage and them. Some, and, some some crew loved doing business class; they yeah. put their hands up for it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. For it. Yep. Go for it. Go for it. I'm happy to clean the toilets. So I'm happy to do the rubbish care. <laughs> you know, and then the old, um, I was thinking the other day about Virgin Blue Days of the old merch cart. Remember we yes. used to, the walk of shame. Yeah. <laughs> Selling the, the, the book and the plane and the yeah. lip balm. And, and you the... used to have the stubby holders yep. on your wrists and you used to put the cap on. and the... That's going oh, back yeah. so long. Yeah, the walk of shame. But it was, it was all right. It was fun. You're listening to the Crew Room Podcast. Now, what did you really like about being a flight attendant? Because you did it for a lot longer than I did. So what what was it that attracted you to the job in the first place? So I was looking at either being a school teacher or I was going to go as a flight attendant, yeah. and it was three years training as a school teacher or one month training as a flight attendant. <laughs> it was a no-brainer, was it? <laughs> so I went flight attendant. 
So I went to a um, a day course in right. flight attending, mm-hmm. and they gave me the links after that of how to apply and where to apply, and then the Virgin popped up through that. So that's how I, I got onto that. Then once, I mean, I wasn't good at studying at school. I was terrible, and I thought, God, how am I going to study these manuals that are placed in front of me, and how am I going to, you know, um, get through all the exams? Mm. But the group of people that we had, Group 18, mm-hmm, um, they they were just awesome. We mm. were like a big family, and the study that we were doing was fun, and it was intriguing. And when you really like something and you're really interested in it, you take everything on board. Mm. And once I started flying, it, it was the people, you know. Yes, it was the, the passengers because we were new, we were fresh. You know, we're doing face painting on board for the kids mm. and fun toilet roll games and and um, dating games on cans flights and, and whatnot. And it's your team that made it. It's your, your Virgin Blue family, your airline family. Yeah. You're going away for four days with each other and you just have the absolute ball. So that is my main reason is for, for staying so long is, is the family of crew. And because in the early okay. days too, we were we were flying away a lot. I remember having rosters that were fifteen overnights a, a month, and yeah. I felt yeah. like I was yeah. I felt like I was away for six months of the year, and I truly was, you know. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we were we would always meet in the bar and have drinks and catch That's up, right. and yeah, and, and it was fun going away, and you made it fun. You yeah. know, some of us were in what Rockhampton for Christmas. I had one one in Rockhampton. What's well, there doing Rockhampton? Yeah. But we all got together, we had a barbecue and the hotel made us salads and we all sat around the pool. It's, it's what you make of it. When you've got a good crew, you had the best time. Well, I spent know. a Christmas in Perth and I remember when back back then when Perth would shut down for four days over Christmas That's and the right. only exciting thing that happened at that uh, at place during Christmas time Holiday was seeing in. the tumbleweed fly down Hay Street <laughs> because that is how quiet it actually was. And I remember having yeah. dinner at the hotel there and, and actually my first Christmas was in Perth and we all yeah. went into one of the um, the rooms there down near the, the um, restaurant and we were all just catching up. It was like this whole revolving door that every time that a crew yeah. came in or left, they were more than welcome to come and join us for drinks. Um, yeah. as they came in. So um, yeah. I had some... And everyone knew each other too, They you did. Know? And I had some amazing Christmases yeah. um, mm, being away, mm. um, knowing that that yeah. was part of my job. Um, what did you find yeah. the most challenging about the job? Um, I think um, the most challenging are, are the long days. When a day yeah. can just get out of control due to aircraft technicalities, Mm-hmm. or weather technicalities, um, incidents on board and whatnot. It can be quite emotionally draining as well as fatigue. Um, also, minimum rest on overnight. Yeah. It's just impossible, it you is. know, especially if you are in Perth too because of the time zone are different. I always struggled with those. Yeah, um, Perth always but- got me coming back. I'd always it's find high. getting to that sleep and then waking up. Yeah, it would yeah. really throw me yeah. out. But minimum rest is ridiculous. Yeah. You get off a flight, you've had a, a full-on day, you're expected to be in bed within an hour and a half to be able to get the rest that you're required. Mm, you know, yeah. it doesn't happen like that. Reality yeah. isn't, you know. And it kind of, towards the end of me before leaving, um, it kind of got worse. Minimum rest became yeah, a thing, you know. It was a regular thing. And... um even the weights between flights were a regular thing. And these were like one to two hour weights yeah. between flights. You know, and you have to sit at an airport. You've got nowhere to sort of, um, it's better to just go, go, go. I found those sort of things quite challenging. What I found funny towards the end for me was that when people would complain about the red-eye flights and you'd finish, I don't know, you'd finish in Brisbane and, yes, fine, it was like 6 or 6.30 in the morning, but you would remember the days when we used to fly from Perth, say, back into Brisbane and do a Sydney return, or we'd fly from right. Perth to Brisbane yeah. and do a Rockhampton return. And I used yeah. to sit there and go, you don't know what it was like. And I was, and, but, but we never – and I guess the reason why we never really complained about it that much was the fact that we would go over to Perth and have a whole day in Perth, like we'd have 24 yeah. hours off in Perth. So we would never do yeah. any of these internal flights that we ended up doing when the eject come along. But I used to sit back and think, 
how did I ever do Sydney return after a red eye eye and still feel okay to drive home? Like maybe I was living on coffee. I don't know. I think I used to drive up my driveway half the time and I I don't know how I got there sometimes, you know. Or you'd drive home and and wonder how many sets of traffic lights you went through and if they all were green. Totally. (laughs) Totally. Let's hope they were freaking green. I know. I would get home and I'd wonder, were they all green? And I'd go, well, they must have been because I didn't hit anyone, you know, like, but, you know. So do you recommend yeah, this industry for people? Like do you, if, if someone was looking at, at wanting to take a leap of faith and end up in the industry now, I know it's kind of hard at the moment. COVID. This COVID thing has oh, really kicked it off. But I know. I'll, ta- I'll talk yep. about that shortly too because I want to get your, your uh, thoughts on it. But in, in general, do you think that this would be an industry that you'd recommend for someone to be part of? Well, for me and my personality, like I'm, I'm out there, I'm, I'm not shy, I'm not introverted. Um, it, the best thing I ever did, the best decision I ever did. I got to see, you know, Australia. I got to meet so many people that I still have now, you know, all on my Facebook. I've got amazing friendships. We may not talk all the time, but every now and then we sort of check in and we see what everyone's up to. I mean, I cute off to those that are still flying now. We're still, you know, hanging in there. Yeah. I haven't been flying for six years now. Um, and I just, Great memories, like yeah. the best memories I've ever, ever going to keep, yeah. you know. And I think it so gives I you a lot of skills, doesn't it? Like you, Oh, very much. And you, yeah. you learn to become independent. And I think for, yeah. for people who are looking at, you know, who are young ones who are looking at moving out and wanting a job that just gives them the skills that, that they really mm. need to, to have to do mm. something else in the future, it, yeah. and I think that people underestimate exactly what the job is like. And I'll be honest with you. How many times do people used to say, oh, it's just a glorified waitress or waiter up in the sky? Oh, and it's like, I really yeah, wish so that that was yeah. the only reason yeah. to do that job. But, you know, how many, we had to sit exams every year, we had to do practicals, assessments. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stay you know, on top of all the manual changes, like so many manual changes. You know, you get into your rhythm on board of this procedure or that procedure or. You know, your standard operating procedures, and then they change them again. It's constant changes. Look, I'm glad when um, Electronic came along because I could tell you now, I uh, did not like the manual updates. No. If Taking they were, the pages oh out, putting God. them back in. Oh, I, 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 I came so close one day just to paying the $140 just to get a manual that was already updated, manual. like it literally, yeah. because yeah. you know what it was like. If you had three manual updates, you had to do them in order. You yes. could not do yeah. the third one because not all the pages changed. No, that's right. That was just frightening. It yeah. was. It was. And if you had been yeah. on holidays or been away, you know, back when you could travel, if you come back oh. to like four, you know, updates, if you'd been away for four weeks, it was a nightmare. Yeah. You'd spend literally totally. two days updating your manual before yeah. you went back to work. I know. Yeah. Now, anyway, it wasted paper. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm glad. You know. You think back how many how how many trees were probably knocked down because of that. Uh, now, why yeah. did you decide to leave? What was your driving factor for for deciding to hang up your wings? My beautiful daughter. Yeah. So, um, I hadn't. I had um, not an easy um, journey yeah. to get pregnant. Yeah. Um, whether it had to do with my age or whether it had to do with years of flying, who knows? Yeah. You know, you can't pinpoint that. Um, but when I finally was successful with her, um, I went on to have two years mat leave. Mm-hmm. And then I, I just kind of thought, I can't be away from her. I, I think I've done my time. It was a very hard decision because, like I said earlier, it's the people that keep you there. It's, you know, going to work and finding out who your crew are and how awesome that is and that yeah. feeling of going with But, of course, the maternal instinct for me is, if my daughter is sick and I'm, and I'm in Perth, Perth can be a six-hour flight home sometimes. Yeah. You know, that's the longest six hours of my life. So I felt I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't grievance, like any sort of problems at work or anything like that. I just had to put my family first. And, and There are a lot of families that family. still fly. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's these mums that do it now and they must have an amazing support next network to yep. look after the children and I think that's awesome. Mm. So, you know, hats off to them. So mums, even dads. Oh, so. absolutely. And I think that's a thing. Yeah. It's, it's one of those jobs that like, I mean, I don't, I don't have a family. My family is, you know, my hubby Gabe and my 
you know, menagerie of pets. But even still, I, for a long time, did really miss the whole idea of being home and having some regularity and cooking in my kitchen yeah. and sleeping in my own yeah. bed. And, and I think, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's, it was such an amazing job and over 15 years gave me more than I could possibly ever imagine out of a job uh, ever. But I agree. I started to really think about the things that I missed the most, you know, I, I missed mm. waking up next to my partner or I missed, mm. um, you know, mm. my nephew and niece growing up and their birthday parties, yeah. you know, and it would be it like you. To, it, it got to a certain point too. I'd been to every port in Australia. Yep. I'd done everything that we'd Eaten done at every cafe, in at every restaurant. 17 years. <laughs> yeah, it's right. You know, and, and I was starting to get a little bit tired of overnight. Yeah. Um, same hotel, same sort of scenario. And also I had anxiety of the rosters coming yep. out. Where am I going to be Christmas? Where am I going to be New Year's Eve? You know, all those little important dates or the fact of I really need this this weekend off. And, you know, when you have to request for the weekend, you may not get it. It's a random, you know, there's no promise that you're going to get that weekend off. So it's always sort of that anxiety of of the rosters and what's going to come out, where you're going to end up. It it started sort of playing a little bit on my mind Mm. because we had been there and done that. And I always thought about international and, um, you know, some of my oldies went to international and they've had a ball and they're still there now. So, mm. but of course not now, but um, they're holding on and, and what an experience they've had. Mm. And looking at it from the outside and we've – so let's approach this whole COVID thing because oh, yeah. you and I both uh, – how we avoided it – well, for you, you'd already left, but me – yeah. Uh, I'd already had applied for another job many years before, and I actually ended up getting out of mm. that job, um, getting out of flying before COVID hit. And mm. my new job, I'm in a government job, which I absolutely love. Um, mm. But I keep on getting asked all the time, "Wow, you know the, um, you know the coins all fell for you," or in that regards, like yeah, and I do just feel timing. super lucky. It's just timing. It is, yeah, but yeah, no one predicted this. No. Well, apparently, conspiracies, they did predict it. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's debilitated the whole world. Whoever thought, you know, that in this day and age, we would have something that would Stop aviation in its tracks, pretty aviation. much. Aviation? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Massive, you know? Have you spoken and, to um, any people who are in the industry? I mean, I know I have. But have you spoken yeah. to people about how COVID – um, decimating aviation has made them feel? Yeah, well, they're struggling. I know there's some who I talk to now are struggling because, yeah. like me, I've, I've been fine for 17 years. Mm. Where, where do I go from there? Mm. What, what job do I go into? Mm. Um, it took me a year and a half to find another job because of my age. Um, they all want the young retail assistants or they want the young ones, you know, to pay wages. Mm. I had nothing to fall back on because that was my sole career. Um, you know, people, I know some people have been able to go on to other areas of training and do other things like that, which is awesome. But some I know are also just hanging on and waiting, couldn't wait to get back onto the aircraft. You know, yeah. they can't wait to get back in the air. So they live and they breathe their career. That's, yeah. that's just who they are and what they're about. Um, you know, and I've got some pilot friends that, that were stocking shelves at night time in supermarkets just to stay afloat, yep. you know. So every avenue is affected and you're either holding on or you're looking at the next step in life. People yep. are starting to do uni at the age of 44 mm. because, you know, what else are we going to do? And it's that's never going to be the same. And that's what I'm finding. I'm seeing a lot of my friends who are actually taking the step. There's a lot of my friends who are actually going into nursing because they feel yeah. that should yeah. anything like this, or should this even continue, that it's an area that yeah. gives them a bit of security. And and that's what I think people are looking for. I think it's for. the perfect job. You know, well, I, I think lost, it's the perfect job, yeah. Well, I lost my job at ANSET when 9-11 happened. And, you know, Ooh. I mean, I was young. I was in my early 20s. So I, I kind of felt Ooh. like that I was always going to be – employable but then mm. i look at how close i come to being um caught up in the covid stuff and i look at it from the perspective of like i see it from the outside and how my friends are coping with it and it's yeah. it's really 
hard because you're right. So many of them have called this job their career and that's where they want to be for the rest of their life. And I say good on them because it certainly wasn't going to yeah. be my lifelong career. But um, mm. but that that is what I think sort of frightened me a little bit in the sense that these people just want to get back and just want to do yeah. what yeah. they want to do and what I'm, they miss. I am, I am absolutely satisfied with the years that I did and the changes and um, everything that I went through with Virgin Blue into Virgin Australia and the amount of friends or connections that I've picked up from there. You know, even passengers and whatnot, the mm. regular passengers that we used to constantly get. I'm still friends with them today. Mm. Um, you know, so it's so nice to look back on all of this. Um, and is that how you felt when I, you when you left? Did you feel peace and calm with your decision? Yes. You yeah. did? You know what? I kind of thought, oh, God, I don't want to get rid of staff travel. Staff travel, <laughs> you know, it's so good. But yeah. in saying that, staff travel got harder and harder it in did. the last probably five years before I left. It yeah. just started getting a bit too nitpicky, started to get too hard. Um, you know, long service leave, my long service leave flight, um, you weren't allowed business class or you couldn't get business class. Um, I think staff travel got priority over long service leave. And then there was a few complaints put in, but of course that happened after my my trip. So, yeah. you know, it, it kind of got a little bit, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm happy to give it up now because it's too hard, too hard basket. Yeah. Anything yeah, you miss about but, aviation? Um, uh, do you know, it's, it's quite funny, right? I'm quite happy to stand up in front of an aircraft and rattle off the PAs, the announcements. Um, talk to that many strangers. When it came to my wedding speech, I was absolutely petrified. Yeah. You know, but when you know the job day in and day out and you know the material and the people you're working with, I miss it. I miss that daily routine because that routine could be really easy. One day it's one flight to Perth and you're sitting there all for, like you say, 24 hours, yep. you know. Um, you know, we were pretty lucky. Do you know what I miss the and most? And I think, what's that? I actually really miss... The crew. That was the yeah, one thing that I that I found mm-hmm. really difficult to deal with on my last day. Like I, I'm not going to lie, I had the worst mm-hmm. last day. Um, like Cooley, Sydney, Brisbane, Sydney, Brisbane. Like it. Left, I mean, if there was going to ever be a send off, <laughs> then that was going to be my send off. The best triangle ever. Oh yeah. look, you know, I had upgrades well, coming out. <laughs> I know upgrades coming out the wazoo. I didn't have enough food for them. <laughs> like it literally was like, hello, you know, yes, you're going, but we're going to give you one last hurrah. But you know what? At the end of the day, like I. I it's it's seeing the people that I absolutely yeah. loved working with every single day. Yeah. Did I get along with everybody? No. Did they all get along with me? Probably not. But at the no. end of the day, the majority of them that we did, that we spent time and the memories I made and the drinks we had and sitting in the bar and the memories of the yeah. of the yeah. parties that we went to, you know, that was the hardest thing for me to deal with leaving because yeah. I was leaving familiar people, you know. Yeah. And, you know, all those virgin blue days of, of um, you know, we could get our um, photo taken in the engine or, mm. um, you know, those ones where we've got them up on the wings and we're yep. doing all the virgin, you know, Branson scenario stuff. And, um, and Heidi, I remember all of us hid in lockers one day when the passengers came on board and they're looking for us. <laughs> and once they open to put their bags up, there we are, bang, we're in the lockers. Yep. You know, we could do all that sort of stuff. And, uh so, I mean, like I did say earlier that that there's the one thing I had missed. So yeah. you, you're right, probably, in regards to the aviation side of things. It's the people. Yeah. But I'm not too sad because no. I've got those memories. That's right. And I still have I still have those friendships. And, and you'll so, always keep, and that's the thing that I look at. Yeah. I'll always keep those friendships. And I think even yeah. for people who aren't listening to, or who are, who are listening to this podcast, who aren't or have never been in the aviation industry, um, mm-hmm. I think it's really important now that they continue to support all of the airlines to ensure. Mm. And, you know, mm. it doesn't matter at the end of the day who owns the airline, you know, who, yep. who who runs it from where. Because right now yep. it's people who are it's – it's Australians who are in jobs and who need to keep yep. those jobs. And I think we need yeah. to put aside – this whole, it doesn't matter who owns it. It doesn't matter if it's an overseas company or one within Australia. It is Australian jobs that are in jeopardy. And I think that if you're yes, listening right. to this podcast and you're thinking about 
who you're deciding to fly, just book a ticket and go away. It doesn't matter who it's with, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what company, if you go with the whatever price you want to go with, Mm. if you want to do, we're all the same. You know, we all do the same job. That's right. So, you know, I remember we ran into a a Qantas crew one time and we all just had a chat because we were all delayed. You know, Mm. we'll sit around the table together having a a chat because we're all on the same page. Yeah. We would chat with Qantas yeah. staff on the crew bus between the car park and the terminal, and it doesn't matter who you're with. We all experience the same thing in 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 that job. Yeah. We all have the same yeah. things that happen to us, and we all have the same mm. you know mm. excitement about the industry. So, look, yeah. I just I really look forward to seeing where it goes in regards to to COVID because obviously it has been a massive shake up for everybody. Yeah. Um and it's I just, think that. The mental, mental, the mental state for everybody. Yeah. You've got to support each other. You, you know, um, I think you know uh, Tony Smith, one of our, you know, CS yep, is an yep. awesome dude. He he started um, crew hugs or hug hug your crew. Yep. You know, hashtag hug your crew. So important. I mean, we've we've lost over the years. We've lost um, a lot of crew. We've lost pilots. We've lost um, cabin crew. Yep. And we've lost ground crew. To mental also health, mental yeah. health issues. Yep. yep. But even to health issues as well. Yeah. And when you are that family, it hits home. Of course it does. And and all it does and all is needed is is for everybody to, to stand up and, and hold each other's hands, you yeah. know, and, and, and be there. Because we all relate. We all can relate to, to what we're all going through. Well, I'm hoping to get Tony Smith on one of these podcasts because I think this uh, he's got a – he certainly has an interesting career in aviation. He's worked for a couple of airlines prior uh, to Virgin, yep. but um, and, yeah. and the reason being is because that was one of the things that I thought was the best thing that he did was start up that hug your crew um, yes. uh, thing. And and yep. one thing I do miss that I see, I still have him on my Facebook doing it, is his payday crusader. It is the one oh, thing he, that. Oh, I know, I know, and the good oh. thing is, well, unfortunately, my payday doesn't fall on the same day. But even still, I no. still celebrate <laughs> the payday crusader, and he can never get rid of that. Oh. So that's all I can say. His, his, his man, his man nakedness. I know. That cash, with that cash in his hands, it's just the best thing ever. Placed yeah. in the right <laughs> spot, like it's always. I mean, yeah. That, if anything, um, will get anyone through what's going on at the moment is the fact that. The one thing I really love about Tony is he can always find the positives in any negatives. Yeah. And you know what? There's, there was a lot of crew like that. You yeah, know, those ones that you just loved. We had um, Ben Zabel, you know, yeah. old Zabel. He was just an absolute fly queen. He was the best. And, yeah. um, and Sean Terrell, you know, if he's listening to, I loved his old lady. PAs and announcements, you know, the Virgin Blue days. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, you might be able to get hold of him and he can come on and, and do his old old school PAs. Oh, I can't wait to hear them again if you do. No, you I, know, I just – the personalities we fly with, we could almost have a Hall of Fame really because, um, you know, if you're going to take this podcast anywhere further, I think um, walk down Virgin Blue memory lanes would yep. be an awesome one to, to get onto as well because we have so many awesome stories and exactly. so many great discussions. What I really want to get out of this is for people to, to to think about the things that happened in the past and how good they were and 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 yeah. that you can you can make it good. Yeah. Even if things aren't yeah. so good, you can yeah. be the person to drive that positive motivational yeah. sort of side of you. So hold on, it's like holding on to those memories and knowing who your true friends are and true, you know, and the experiences that you've had together and that we're all on the same page and um, you know, uh, I mean, even a, a um, passenger that always came on all the time um, was Matt Hollywood. Everybody probably would know Matt Hollywood. Um, he actually lives, he actually has a his show right near where my sister lives yeah, in Hope Island. Yeah, show. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and he's, he was always on our show. He was always come on with the biggest, brightest smile. He had the funkiest shoes. Now, mm. you got to check out the shoes that he owns. I mean, his wardrobe would be amazing. But these shoes that come on, they were shiny and sparkly. God knows what they were made of, either snake skin or, you know, zebra skin, who knows. <laughs> but he was he was the best. He used to encourage us all, you know, to make the jokes and to have the fun. He said he looked forward to those flights every time. He made you know, my glasses so. stand up on end on the 
uh, on the tray table yeah. one day without even touching them. That's and I'm right. just like, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah. Yeah, and Rob Curzio, he's another ground crew guy that's old school, been around. You know, hopefully you might get um, a few ground crew on your podcast as well because, you know, their stories are similar to ours as well. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Matt Hollywood made someone float. Yeah, you know. So, well, I've opened it up to I, not to to not just be a cabin crew. I think it's I've got a lot of friends in the, in, in just like you at Virgin yeah. who come from all different parts of the company, and I think yeah. it's really important to talk to them about their journey and their story um, yeah. outside of of cabin crew as well, because yeah. the company is built on on everyone's you know, input and involvement. Yep. And it doesn't matter what job you do, it's just as important as the next. That's right. That's right. You know, all our pilots and everything too, you know. I went through an amazing experience um, on an aircraft where we were on um, our little little leave, our um, EJAP. Yep. We were coming coming into, um, I think, Maruchito, I think it was. And um, Pat... Um, Oh, Patrick, well, I think I can't think of his name at the moment, but he he was the captain. We had an FO that was feeling new at the at the at the helm, and he hit sheer weather just as we were about to land and in, in pitch black. Mm. And I remember the aircraft pitching right up, like so so tight, it felt like we were going to flip. Yeah, you know when you have a missed approach and yep. you're coming down and you're coming up, and it took so long before you could uh, they could contact you, um, and you're just thinking, oh. You know, you're like up front smiling, you know, oh, yeah, all good. Thumbs up to the passengers when you're sweating between the legs, literally. Yep. yep. Um, you know, and I remember talking to the captain, and, and he just said, you know, even then he had a, a lump in his throat. Oh, Kit Parlane, that's who it was. Oh, Kip yes, Kip yep, Kit Parlane. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and he did. did so well. We, we have our trust in these guys, you know, guys and girls up the front. Of, of getting us through and, and that was, you know, in 17 years, I always remember that memory of how he did, you know, and how he got the FO through it as well and, you know, pat on the back to him for that. And I think that's what I want to, that's what I want to bring to it as well is I think the pilots, yeah. you know, we know that they, um, they earn every cent that they earn up the front. Um, you know, some people call them glorified. Yep. Well, some people call them glorified yep. bus drivers. I disagree. Having yep. worked in that industry no. for so long and what mm. they do, um, you mm. know, a good day is when you don't have to deal with anything, but that's, that's often right. rare. So, um, yep. no, I want to bring all that to the to the podcast too because I think our pilots yeah. just really do have a lot of great stories. I know I yeah. made a lot of good friends um, who are pilots that I put my trust in every single day. And I would do it again in yeah. a heartbeat. Well, anyone who's listening to this podcast, on, I just want to spread the word. Let's share. Let's get it out there. Let's, you know. And if anyone wants to talk to you about their time and that too, to contact you because this is this is just going to be great. It's great for us yeah. and and our memories and and just the aviation world. You know, now where, wherever you are, yeah. It's just such a good time. Well, Jess, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I really do appreciate it. It has been way too long, and I'm hoping that when um, I want to come down again to Sydney and even catch up with you guys, um, I just I'm afraid at the moment enough. because I just don't know if if I go down and I'm no. going to have to come back for 14 day not. quarantine. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. No, it's not worth it, babe. But you know what? It'll happen. It'll happen. But as for now. Big love to you. Yep, and you too. And um, thank you so much. I really do appreciate you being my first guest on this podcast. It's just been an absolute hoot catching up with you again. <laughs> All right, Jess, will you have a wonderful all day. Right. Thank you so much again, and um, I will You're speak welcome. to you very I look soon. You're welcome. Thanks, all Jess. Right, lovely. Bye. Love you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to Jess and her life in the skies. It really brought back a lot of memories of my time with the airline and why I chose to stay for as long as I did. It's great to see that although she may not be flying anymore, she was able to find a new career that she loves outside of aviation. If you enjoyed this episode of The Crew Room, remember to subscribe. That way you'll be reminded when the new episode drops. Please share this podcast with your friends and don't forget to add a review. You can also find me at The Crew Room on Facebook. Here I will post who will be my next guest and you can also send me questions or even suggestions for a future episode. If you are someone who has been in or currently works in the aviation industry and want to be part of a future episode, 
please drop me a line. I'd love to chat and find out more about your aviation journey. See you next time.